0: It's a blessing to look out and just see so many friends and and family here. Uh, Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for this evening and the great celebration and feast that we will have tomorrow. I pray, Lord, that you might open our hearts tonight, that we might hear from you. Amen. So most Christmas stories have a Scrooge component to them. Every good Christmas story, at least, has a bit of a Scrooge in it. Sometimes it's the Grinch, right, who steals Christmas. Or in our biblical text, sometimes it's, it's King Herod who comes and almost ruins the whole thing, right? Or the story contains Scrooge himself, right, who shirks off charity and yells humbug to his friends and to his family, sending them all off. Well, perhaps one of the biggest Scrooges of them all I debated whether or not to even bring this person up tonight, but I thought, man, this guy is, is Scrooge de la Scrooge, right? <laughs> Scrooges of Scrooges. Is a German philosopher by the name of Nietzsche. In 18... Yeah, I got some chuckles there. A couple... <laughs> maybe some amens. I don't know. What was that? <laughs> well, in 1882, Friedrich Nietzsche declared that God is Dead. And there was a lot of a lot of his writings declared this over and over, and he would unpack this. Well, that's a very Grinchy thing to say, now, isn't it? Right? And why would a preacher stand up and bring up Nietzsche and his statement "God is dead" in front of uh, people on such a beautiful night like this? But it's actually a very profound statement. I obviously don't agree with it, otherwise my bishop would take this collar off of me pretty quickly. But. What, there, what, he is, what he does not mean is he doesn't mean that there's some mythological figure up in the sky who is now deceased anymore because he's been slain. No, what Nietzsche meant by this is that mankind had somehow or had, had become enlightened to the point where we no longer need a deity anymore known as God. Ethics, philosophy, science and industry have all progressed far enough and humanity is now self-sufficient sure God may have been helpful in getting this whole human experiment started but now that we're off on a good start now that we can drive along just fine we're doing well thank you very much well Nietzsche the Grinch his words have become quite prophetic I think in today's age because I don't know how you feel but I know that when I scroll through some of the headlines or walk around um, just around town, this world sometimes feels like the ruler is missing, as if the king has been dethroned. That's what it sort of feels like, right? Sure some things have progressed, some things are pretty cool, but why does it seem like our morals and our behaviors are still the same that they've been for hundreds if not thousands of years? Like I said, when I open the news, I keep reading of wars and rumors of wars, right? Or reading of scandals and rumors of scandals. Well, there's a famous poet who I think many of you know of, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And he could certainly resonate with this sentiment that I'm expressing right now. He's a famous American poet, and some of you might have read about him recently in CT. And he was very rare in that he was extremely famous in his own day. He was very wealthy, Uh, he had professorships at Ivy League schools, he was married with kids, he was, as far as poets are concerned, quite well to do. In fact, Longfellow Park over here, uh, here in South Minneapolis is named after him, and Uh, I actually just found that out this week. A a lot of you are probably you serious. I just finally connected uh, two and two and figured that out as I was reading about this. But anyway, Longfellow, he actually helped make Minneapolis famous uh, by his poem, which again, many of you probably learned this a little bit sooner than this week. But his poem, The Song of Hiawatha, helped put Minnehaha Falls on the map. So Longfellow was a tremendous success. But... All of his success eventually came tumbling down. In 1861, uh, through some sort of freak accident, his his wife passed away. Uh, her dress caught on fire. And then America erupted in civil war, right? And his heart was absolutely broken to see these young men who he had seen born by his friends uh, grow up and then go off to war, especially since the country was so new. Can you imagine how... Horrifying, all of this was. Well, it's within this context that Longfellow wrote one of his most beautiful poems called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. He tells of this blissful past that he sort of remembers um, dearly when everything was right, but then eventually that bliss is broken, and he recounts the thunderous cannons firing across the country. And towards the end of the poem, he says this in despair. He says, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. As you can see, he's certainly a poet of our time as well, isn't he? But then, then something shakes him from his gloom. The final stanza says this, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. You see, Longfellow, in his sorrow, he heard the bells and they woke him up again. And he had the realization that the Lord himself has been stirred, that justice will roll down as a river and the righteous will be redeemed. And, friends, this is exactly why we gather here tonight. You see, a lot of us in this room, we're ones who have lost loved ones due to tragedy. And I don't know about you, but it feels to me like our country is in a civil war right now. And if you're like me, you might come here tonight feeling sorrowful for things that you have done or things that you haven't done, things that you regret. But in the middle of all of this, In the middle of so much darkness, we come together tonight to remind ourselves that God steps into our world. Tonight we celebrate that a child has been born. And this child grows up to become a man and rescues all of humanity from sin and darkness by putting all of that to death on a cross, paving the way for abundant life. And I don't mean abundant life that's that's to be had someday as when we die and we go and get handed a pair of wings and strum our harp. That's not what I'm talking about. When the Bible talks about abundant life, it talks about abundant life beginning now, here. And this is what God promises us. This is also part of the reason why we named the church Restoration. Molly and I were kind of telling that story earlier today. And I remember um, over a year ago now, we were sitting in our kitchen and we're like, oh, what if we... What if we name this new church, what if we name it Restoration? We're like, oh yeah, that sounds, that sounds fun, that's kind of cool, it's, that's kind of hip, right? You know, that's very Minneapolis. But it's been so fun to hear how that word resonates with many of you. You see, we are a room full of people who have been bumped and bruised along the way. Some of us have been forgotten in the dark. Some of us might even have a, a bit of Scrooge inside of us, right? A little bit of Grinch that comes out every now and then. But the story of Christmas, the story of restoration, is that God sees you. And he still wants to be with you. That he clothes himself with flesh and walks alongside you. He restores us. So just this last week, I was having coffee with a friend. And he was telling me a little bit of his situation. And he was saying, I didn't realize just how hopeless I had become. And he didn't mean to, that the words just kind of fell out of his mouth. We weren't even meeting to really talk about spiritual things. There was a project that we had to work on. But that's what he said. It just kind of bumbled up out of him. I didn't realize how hopeless I had become. He had been bruised, in fact, by a church. And the hopelessness had just become, to start to overcome him. And certainly it doesn't help that the headlines just kind of keep crashing over us, right? Sort of pushing us deeper and deeper into a sense of hopelessness. he said I'm so thankful to come to restoration he says I feel like I've discovered hope again here and that's not because of anything special about me if you hang out with me long enough you'll probably figure you'll probably start to wonder why is this church growing with this guy as the pastor it's because the Lord is moving here and don't you feel that don't you feel that every Sunday when you come and you're chatting with other people and hearing uh, the scriptures wash over us right the Lord is at, at work here at Restoration, and I thank God for that. Or another friend, and she, she said this uh, almost a year ago now, but she was describing her faith growing now that she's been coming back and saying, not only my faith, but the faith of my kids as well. The faith of my kids as well. You see, friends, God is not dead. A Savior has been born. He has clothed himself in human flesh And he comes to restore new life to us. New life to us. So in a few moments, we're going to be able to celebrate this in a very profound but yet very ordinary way. We're going to be coming together at this table and celebrating communion with one another. Now, you don't have to be a member of restoration. You don't even have to be Anglican. You don't even have to know what Anglicanism means because let's be honest, a lot of us are kind of confused by that too. But we just ask that you be baptized to come forward and to receive and partake in this family meal. And this is a, a deep and beautiful way in which we can celebrate that God is with us, that he's here, that he nourishes at the table with his very presence, that he wants to spiritually feed us. Now, if you want to remain seated, that's totally fine as well, but please, please do come forward and receive. I hope that you can come and that you are fed by him tonight. So again, thank you so much for coming here. And I also want to say, too, if you don't have a church home, if if this is kind of a new experience to you, this isn't too unlike Sunday morning. So I'd invite you to come back. Uh, Throughout the next month or so, we're going to be talking about what it means for Christ's light to shine in our lives, to shine in our city. So come and explore that with us. I'd invite you. So with that in mind, let's pray. And then we'll have our offering. Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you and love you because you are alive, that you clothed yourself in flesh and walked with us. Lord, I pray that we would make room for you in our hearts, that we would experience you even tonight, Lord. Come and speak to us. And it's in your name and for your glory we pray. Amen.